point there. Can't hate on people myself that enjoy the royal wedding because I also do some really obscure things for entertainment. So I'll just leave it at that. Today we're going to talk KU players at the NBA Combine. We're going to talk 13 reasons why. We're going to talk about the amazing story of a 25-year-old posing as a 17-year-old so he could play high school basketball again. An incredible story there. We're going to talk about the NBA playoff sucking. And then lastly, Black Ops 4 versus Fortnite. Big rivalry brewing here. Uh, we'll break that down at the end. So, quick hitters. Um, not a hockey guy. Uh, not really a guy that cares about hockey, so don't worry. I'm not going to break down the uh, NHL playoffs right here. I don't want you guys to gouge your ears out. That is not where this is headed. But the uh, the expansion team, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, have made an unprecedented run to the Stanley Cup final. And it's not like I care about the hockey, but there's a lot of implications for casinos and with the new sports gambling laws. It actually brings uh, something I want to hit right quick here. So... If you're unfamiliar with the NHL, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, this was their first season ever, first season in the league, expansion team. So the thought of them being able to win the Stanley Cup this year was kind of unheard of at the beginning of the season. Like, not going to happen to a team in year one. They're taking a bunch of players from other teams. Impossible feat to accomplish. So before the season, there's always odds on every team to win the title, right? You can do that in any sport. You can bet on college basketball, college football, NFL. There's normally odds for every team to win the championship at the beginning, right? So prior to the season, before the NHL playoffs kicked off, the Golden Knights were like incredibly high odds, like 300 to 1, 200 to 1, close to that at some places. And what's ended up happening here was a lot of people, especially in Las Vegas when ga where gambling's legal, a lot of people just ended up taking that bet for fun, right? The oh, screw it, why not, I'm just going to take the Golden Knights and see what happens, bet. And they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I have some numbers written down from people with actual... Just like you can buy and sell, sell stock, you should be able to buy and sell sports gambling lines and futures odds that you got right when they came out. So because sports, sports lines and futures odds are consistently like moving up and down as more information is made available or... As the public bets heavily on one side, the lines will move, right? So the Las Vegas Golden Knights are a perfect example here. All the people that I just mentioned above that got great odds on the Golden Knights right when they came out, they bought futures tickets for the Knights at like 300 to 1, 200 to 1 odds. And the odds now that they've made the Stanley Cup final are like 2 to 1 instead of 200 to 1. So that 200 to 1 bet slip that someone has is incredibly valuable, right? Those people that got their bet slips at the beginning of the season. Those people should be able to sell those tickets to someone that's willing to buy it at an agreed-upon price instead of having to hedge their bet or instead of it basically being an all-or-nothing. If the Knights were to win, they'd get the money, but if they lose, they'd get nothing. Does that kind of make sense? There should be like a fluid kind of dynamic market which you can go online somewhere and you could always be trading or exchanging your sports gambling line that you got or your futures odd that you got and trading it with other people, if that kind of makes sense. So like another example would be KU, say Devontae Graham was supposed to be injured for a game and KU was favored by like three, but then information came out later in the week that Devontae Graham was going to play. So they, the line moved up to like six. 
So in this scenario, you would be able to sell your KU minus three ticket for more and then get that kind of payoff, if that makes sense. So that's kind of the deal with the sports gambling stock market idea that Mark Cuban came out with. And I just thought the, um, the Golden Knights were a good example of that. So we're going to move on to the NBA playoffs real quick before we get to KU and 13 Reasons Why. The games are just really bad right now, right? Almost every single game in the past two weeks has been a blowout. And then tonight again, the Rockets got blown out. The margins of victory in the conference finals so far are 25, 13, 13, 22, 30. And then tonight, whatever, I don't know how much the Rockets ended up losing by, but it wasn't close, right? And then in the second round, there could have been 28 possible games if all four series went the distance and went seven games. The amount of games the NBA played in the second round was 19 instead of 28. The minimum was 16. And there wasn't even a single game six in the second round. So playoffs have been completely uncompetitive. And it's just it's just not a very good product to watch. Like I don't I don't understand the need for us to have to play seven games between the Warriors and the Spurs in the first round when it, it's gonna take five or four. Right? I think there's too many playoff games. So that's just that's just that it. I, I just wanted to share that stat. So um KU, uh, KU Combine update. The NBA Combine took place late this week in Chicago, Illinois. Five KU players attended and participated in summer and other capacity. We had Devontae Graham, Svi Mikhailuk, Malik Newman, Billy Preston, and then Yudoka Azubuke, right? The only player with the decision to make regarding a return to college is obviously Yudoka Azubuke, as all the other players were either seniors or they declared with an agent, eliminating the possibility of a return back to KU. Udoka has, I believe, 10 days to make a decision about whether or not he'll stay in the draft or come back. The deadline is May 30th, and we'll talk about Udoka in a second here, but I'm going to give you guys a short breakdown and some quick takeaways from how each player performed. Um, so one of the one of the very first things the players do when they get to the combine, right, is they have to go through a bunch of testing. It's basically like your sixth grade uh, PE fitness test, but the drills are more, or at least some of the drills are geared more towards basketball related stuff for the most part. And the neat thing here is though, your sixth grade PE fitness test results are about as helpful for determining whether or not you're going to be a successful NBA basketball player as some of these measurements and drills are. But some people are just sitting back here taking the measurements super seriously, and it's it's really incredible to watch. Like, ooh, the measurables. And this goes for the uh, NFL Combine, too. Some of these things that they measure are just so dumb that it makes my head hurt. For example, the NBA has a measurement with shoes on versus without shoes on. Just in case the NBA ever decides, you know what we're going to do this year? You know what we're going to do this year? We are going to start having games where players play without shoes on. Just in case that happens, we will, in fact, know who the tallest player is in that situation. So we'll start with Devontae. Uh, measured at 6'1", but he had a wingspan of 6'6", which is actually bigger than Svee's wingspan, which is remarkable. We're going to talk about Svee in a second. Devontae Graham... 6'1", has a longer wingspan 
than Svi Mikhailuk, who is 6'8". Right? Pretty incredible. But Devontae was 27th out of 37th of the guards in the lane agility drill, 28 out of 37 in the uh, three-quarter court sprint, and then he was about average in the vertical testing. So, like, some of those stats I just gave you, they might sound like they're kind of bad, but I don't really think that will hurt his stock much. He is what he is. He's 23 years old. His skill set is not... His skill set is not being the best athlete on the court, right? The guy was originally supposed to go to Appalachian State. He's never going to be the best athlete on an NBA floor. So all of those measurements, all of the drills, like, I don't, I don't think that's really going to affect him. Um, his, his role is going to be to basically, or his role is not going to be to be able to just go dunk on everyone, be a crazy athlete. He's going to be a facilitator. He's going to be a floor general. He's hopefully going to be a knockdown shooter. He... Didn't play incredibly well in the first scrimmage that I watched, but second scrimmage he was solid. Um, 16 points, 4 of 6 from 3, 4 assists, 3 boards, and his team won in the second scrimmage. So when it comes to the actual draft with Devontae, I think if you were to have, if someone came to you and said, Sir, you have to pick one KU player, you have to take all the money you have, and you have to pick one KU player that's going to get drafted. You have to bet on a single KU player to get drafted. I honestly think Devontae is probably your safest surefire draft pick, right? And that's not to say he's even going to get drafted the highest out of the KU players. But in my opinion, I think he is the safest bet to get drafted for sure, right? As far as where he'll get drafted, um, like I said earlier, he's 23 years old. So he's going to be a guy that's ready, right, to go contribute right away. Um, he can play immediately. If a team in the late first round needs a backup point guard, um, he might be a guy that slides into the first round, right? Because, like I said, he can go play right away. He's ready to rock and roll first game of the year. So I think it's possible that he gets drafted late first round, maybe uh, slide into the middle of the second round. So anywhere between uh, – I don't know Vic's vertical because he didn't get to go to the combine. So, like I said, Devontae, I think he'll go anywhere from very late first round to mid-second round. Devontae could go to the Warriors. Yeah, he could go to the Warriors. They might need some help at the backup point guard spot. It's hot in here. Uh, so, next up, we have Svi. Svi, like Trap said earlier, Svi kind of got off to a tough start this week simply because his wingspan measured at 6'4". Svi, not 6'4", Svi is 6'8". He has a 6'4 wingspan, four inches shorter than his actual height. <laughs> his, his wingspan was the fifth smallest of any player. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm, the, I'm Bill Nye the Science Guy or anything like that. But I just, I just don't get how this is physically possible. He's 6'8". His wingspan is 6'4". He's, he's a T-Rex. He's a little T-Rex. He's, he's a T-Rex. This... I don't understand. It defies human anatomy. Also another bad look from his measurables. Svi has a higher body fat percentage than Yudoka Azubuke. Not good. He's somehow, Svi is, he has T-Rex arms and he's somehow fatter than Doak. So that, that's pretty funny to me. So essentially the scouting report I am giving you here based solely on the combine measurements is Svi basically a chubby T-Rex out there. Um, he was also 25th out of 37 in the lane agility. He was in the back third of the guards in the shuttle drill and the vertical jump. So like nothing like not any red flags except for the short arms, I guess. Um, 
not great measurements, but other than the measurements, he did pretty well. He had a good day Thursday at the scrimmage. He went 6 of 9 from deep, finished with 20 points. Uh, our guy, Michael Swain, over at the Kansan, wrote a nice piece about the Combine. He had a bunch of videos in there detailing a lot of C's in-game plays. And my kind of takeaway was the scouts told Speed that they wanted to see him work off ball screens. They wanted to see him handling the ball as much as possible, which was something we didn't really see that much at KU with Devontae and Malik doing the majority of the ball handling. And he was pretty effective in the scrimmages, working off the ball screen, going straight up, pulling the trigger after he got around screens. He created some, drove to the basket. Like we all know, we all know he can catch and shoot with the very best of them. He made... 44% of his three-pointers this year, and he shot around 260 of them. So he can shoot the heck out of the basketball. But the question for the next level is, can he get himself open still? Can he shoot over length? The length in college is obviously a lot, but it's a whole nother level when you get to the NBA. Can he score off ball screens? Is he going to be crafty? Is he going to be able to create looks for himself off the dribble if he needs to? Stuff like that is going to make, uh, make him determine whether he sticks or not in the league, as well as his ability to play some kind of defense, right? So I see Spee as like a mid to late second round guy. He has a skill set that's obviously highly covet, coveted, coveted in today's NBA with his ability to knock down the three, and he's still pretty young. He's only 20 years old. There's still a lot of room to grow there. So Spee has a lot of potential. I think he's a late second or mid to late second round guy. Billy Preston and Malik Newman decided they weren't going to participate in the scrimmages for whatever reason. I assume Malik didn't because he thinks his stock is about as high as it can go, right? Uh, there was a stretch down the end of the year where he basically put KU in the Jan sport, carried him on his back for stretches, and he decides he doesn't need a scrimmage. He thinks his stock is as high as it can go. And I, quite frankly, I don't really disagree with him. Right, This is a guy that is always going to leave KU after this year. I don't really see a point for him. Billy Preston, I'm not really sure why he didn't scrimmage. Could be because other than Bosnia, other than high school, he's never really played uh, at this kind of level. He hasn't played in a live game since high school other than those couple of games in Bosnia where he was banged up. So maybe he's just not ready to get in there. I don't really know. Billy's stats in Bosnia were like six points a game. But Billy Preston did measure at 6'10", 7'2", wingspan. Bigger than I actually thought he was. He was first in all forwards in the lane agility drill. He was third in the third court, three-fourths court sprint. And then he was also in the top half in max vertical. So he measured really well. Didn't scrimmage. We'll see where he goes. Malik tested about average on everything. Did what he was expected to do. So when it comes to draft position for both of those guys, Billy Preston, obviously a tremendous talent. He was supposed to be a lottery pick if he had played this year at KU. Obviously, that didn't work out. He was he was doing a little bit too much Grand Theft Auto in his spare time, so he didn't get a play. But I wouldn't be terribly shocked to see a team maybe in the late first round draft him. I also wouldn't be surprised to see him go undrafted. Malik, I think, will get drafted in the middle of the second round. So lastly, Doka Azubuki. The only Jayhawk on the fence about whether he will return to school or not. Important thing to note here, at the start of the combine this week, Doke was asked by a reporter if he would need a first round guarantee to stay in the draft. And he said, quote, 
Yeah, pretty much. That's what he said. He said he would pretty much need a first round guarantee. So that's one thing to consider here. The measurement portion, I think, probably helped him. He measured with a 7.7 wingspan, which ended up being the second largest behind Mo Bamba, so that's obviously a positive for him. His body fat was 7.95%, which, like we said earlier, that, he's less fat than Svee somehow, so that's a bonus for him. Uh, with that being said, this probably won't surprise anyone. He was dead last among centers in the lane agility. He was dead last among centers in the shuttle run. His scrimmages were okay. Um, offensive end, he did what he does. 27 points, I think. 13 of 20 shooting between the two games. Other facets, though, he only managed to get 10 rebounds in the two combined games, which I, I don't even know how that's possible. I don't even know how that's possible when you're the biggest guy on the floor and you can only get 10 rebounds in two games. And... I always thought his rebounding numbers weren't as high as they could have been at KU this year because he was basically he was basically the only big we had for stretches. And so he kind of needed to stay out of foul trouble or it, it got problematic. Mitch Lightfoot had to come in and it was it was it, it who knows what happens when that has to when Mitch has to come in. So he had to stay out of foul trouble. He kind of had to conserve energy. So a lot of people were saying that's kind of why he didn't grab as many rebounds as we would have liked. But um obviously and it just two scrimmages, but it doesn't appear that those concerns were addressed or corrected. His 27 points came from basically dunks and two-point jump hooks like we saw all season. It's not like he was out there displaying a new jump shot or displaying a new array of post moves. He also even got in an airballed free throw just for show. So it's basically everything you could have expected out of Doak. I just, I just can't imagine he got a first-round promise, and if that's what he said he needed... I think it's pretty safe to assume he'll be back. I just find it highly unlikely that a team was like, we're drafting this guy in the first draft. He is a modern NBA big. We're going to need him. He's going to develop into a star. I just I just can't see that happening, and I think he'll be back next year. I think he can improve his stock to a first rounder if he had some type of jump shot or not even a jump shot, just being able to score from farther than four feet out, be able to score from eight feet out. So just little improvements like that. Before we move on to uh, 13 Reasons Why, um, order of guys I think will get drafted for KU. We'll make an order of the guys that will get drafted first for KU. I think one will be Devontae. I think he could go late first, early second. I think two will be Spee. I think he'll go early second. Three, I think, will be Malik, um, right around the same area as Spee. And then Billy Preston's really a wild card, right? He could not get drafted. He couldn't even get drafted in the first round. So we'll see what happens with him. Maybe a team falls in love with him, wants to take a chance on him. So Devontae, Svee, Malik, Billy Preston, that is my projected order for the fellas. So with that, if we have any questions about the NBA Combine stuff, we can, add, we can address those before we move on to 13 Reasons Why. Oh man, we only have five people watching. That's a tough crowd tonight. It's all right. That's what the uh, that's what the recorded version's for. Okay, so we're gonna move on to thirteen reasons why. I have basically a limit of the amount of times a week that I'll allow myself to be a pussy, and I'm not even sure this qualifies as that. But there are waves of people out there that are saying people shouldn't watch thirteen reasons why, and I actually kind of agree with them. I actually kind of agree with. Them. Thank you, Asher. We still got one. We got uh, 
We got faithful fans in there. So I kind of agree with them, right? I don't think some of this stuff is really good at all for like young teenagers to watch. I don't think it's a great show for young teenagers to watch. And it's such a strange dynamic too. Like at the beginning of every episode, there's a disclaimer basically like telling you, yeah, don't watch this show. Like they basically saying at the beginning of every episode, don't watch the show. That's that's what they're doing. They provided disclaimer. And I am, I think, seven episodes in. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spoil any, it, uh, spoil it for any of you that might want to watch it. But I'll finish it because I got nothing better to do, right? But my question is, like, there's not a single good, there's not like, there's not a single good redeeming quality that this show provides you, right? The acting's bad, and I mean this in all honesty. There is not a single likable character on the show. There's not a single likable character on the show, right? Like, Jessica and Zach are bearable, I suppose. But, like, all the characters you just want to hate. Every single one of them, right? Um, I'm through seven episodes, and there hasn't been one moment where I'm like, wow, that was touching, or like, wow, that was uplifting. It's in, in normally in shows where it features, like, graphic extreme real life serious problems there's like an overarching message that comes along with it but like i have no idea what the positive messages could be from this show maybe there is at the end of season two i don't know i'm not there yet but i guess i guess one takeaway you could have is that everything you say matters right even the little things you say to someone can end, could end up being really important like one sentence you said to someone that you don't even think twice about could completely mess someone up. Or on the positive spectrum, it could make someone feel really good about themselves. That one sentence or even one word you say to someone could be the difference between someone taking their life, I guess, according to this show. I mean, that's a little bit much. That's a little bit heavy. But that's kind of what the show wants you to believe, right? And it's kind of true, too, right? You'll remember... Uh, when someone says something hurtful to you for weeks after they said it, it'll stick in your mind. You'll be like, Ugh, that person said that about me. Is it actually true? Should I be worried about that? And that person probably doesn't even realize that they said that to you. So be kind, uh, show courtesy, give respect, love people in your surroundings. You never know what's going on in someone else's life. Even if you think you know someone really well, there's still probably things that they aren't telling you. There's still things that you probably don't know about them that are causing them pain. You just never know, right? So I guess that could be a message from this show. They don't really try to convey that very well, but that's there's a positive spin, I guess. Um, it also claims to be a show that raises awareness about issues like suicide. And it obviously, it brings them to the forefront of the conversation, but like I said, there's no like positive spin on it. There's no, there's nothing. It's just depression. The whole thing's just really sad. So another thing about 13 Reasons Why, they were trying way too hard with all the gay characters in the show. Like I don't need a gay scene in every episode. It just seems, oh, it seems so overdone. It seems like they're forcing it on us. It almost seems like ever since they got all the criticism and the blowback from season one, they're like, all right, we're going to make every single character in this in this season gay. Everyone's going to go gay, and that's going to make everything okay. Like, I, I, like it's, it's a little bit much, right? Guy, uh, like, episode six. Guy, guy gets a boner when he's wrestling 
with another dude in the locker room. Like, we get it. You're trying to be inclusive. We get it. But, like, chill out. All right? And uh, lastly, Hannah. Hannah the ghost. Just mating around Clay the whole time. Don't like that at all. Don't think that is a good addition to the show. Ghosts are creepy. Don't really like it very much. So, any questions on 13 Reasons Why before we move on to the story of the 25-year-old man posing as a 17-year-old? One of the best stories of the year. It's an all-time. It's an all-time story. All-time story from our guy down in uh, Texas. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, dude dropped 40 pieces on a prep school. All right, so we'll move on to the 25-year-old posing as a 17-year-old. Um, so let me pull up the article real quick. We'll we'll go through it together as a unit here. 25. All right, so a 25-year-old in Texas posed as a 17-year-old so he could return to the basketball court as a high school baller. He attended Dallas high schools, a couple of them, for nine months before getting caught and arrested last week. You know what they say, everything is bigger in Texas. Apparently that includes the age of high school basketball players. A man by the name... Well, yeah, he did, Chad. We'll get to that in a second. He, he did pose as a freshman. A man by the name of Sidney Bouvier Gilstrap Portly. I got the article pulled up from the Dallas Morning News. Now, not an expert on trustability here. Not an expert on trustability, but anytime you're dealing with a guy that has four names, might be hard to trust him. But anyway, our boy, Sidney Bouvier Gilstrap Portly, began the school year at Skyline High School, where he enrolled claiming to be a Hurricane Harvey refugee. Whew. Now, once again, not the morality police. I, I got after the morality police last week for uh, the gambling loss. I'm not one that likes to swoop in and decipher right from wrong. But I think I have to draw a line at some point. I think I have to draw a line. This guy used Hurricane Harvey, a destructive monster of epic proportion that killed 100, 100 plus people and caused $125 billion worth of damage. Used that as his avenue to being able to play high school basketball game. He used that as his avenue to being able to play the game of basketball at the high school level again. Ball, truly life, for Sidney Bouvier, Gilstrap, Portly. So, back to the article. Months later, after he started at Skyline High School, he moved to Hillcrest High School and joined the basketball team. Dallas officials said, as a student there, Gilstrap, Portly, Dated a 14-year-old classmate, the girl's mother said. Now, <sighs> things you hate to see. I might have had some sympathy for Sir Sidney Bouvier Gilstrap Portly if he had just simply wanted to play basketball. Ball was just simply life. It was so much life that he said he got displaced by a hurricane. Might have had some sympathy for him there, but... I think he's probably losing some of the sympathy card when he takes it a step further and he's horn-dogging 14-year-olds. Like, bro, really? Really? You can't you can't not horn-dog for like three months so you can play basketball? 14-year-olds as a grown man, we don't do that. We can't do that. So, 
Back to the story. Gilstrap Portley was arrested Friday, faces a charge of tampering with government records. He was booked into the Dallas County Jail last week and has since bonded out, according to court records. Gilstrap Portley enrolled at Skyline under the fake alias of Rashawn Richardson at a time when the district had opened its doors to hurricane evacuees, said Dallas spokeswoman Robin Harris. Quote, he took that as an opportunity to gain access to our schools. He was fairly savvy to be able to utilize that type of position, knowing that we were accepting Harvey students. In October, Gilstrap Portly enrolled at Hillcrest High as a freshman. See, that back to your point, Trap. I don't get this play. If, I, if, they, if they came to me and said, Jared, I need you to be an advisor for a 25-year-old man. He, he has four names, so he's gonna be, it's going to be hard to trust him at the start. But I need you to advise him and help him play basketball with high scores again. If I was his advisor, I, I'm probably not telling him to enroll as a freshman. I'm probably saying, Sid, Sidney Bouvier, maybe enroll as a junior, maybe enroll as a sophomore. That's a lot more believable. You will see, if you go down to Andover High School, you can see some fully grown kids as juniors in high school. There's a couple kids in my class that look like they should be waking up at 7, headed to their 9 to 5 job in their miserable lives. But freshmen, like most of those, most of the freshmen have braces. We got acne palooza. We got kids. The freshman year is still a year where kids don't know how to use deodorant. So we got kids as a freshman walking around the class with some serious body odor. Y'all know who I'm talking about, the body odor kid. Like, that's what we're going on. That's what we're dealing with as freshmen. And this 25-year-old thinks he's a freshman. Like, you got to say you're at least a junior. Like, I don't get that play. Advisor Jay would not have allowed that to happen. But, um, back to the story. Gilstrap Portley, who appears to have had a collegiate basketball career at Dallas Christian, was a star, I'd hope so, for Hillcrest team for the 2017-2018 season. High school coaches voted him the District 11-5A Offensive Player of the Year. The Hillcrest Panthers finished the season with an 11 and 10 record. Oh, that's tough. I can already I can already imagine how triggered some of the moms in this kids league are are going to be about this. They're going to some poor guy is going to be working out the office for the awards, and there there there's moms just going to be walking in, um, and just being so mad about this. And that would be quite annoying, right? Your kid is a good basketball player, good enough to be considered for. Uh, player of the year and you you're getting little Timmy and Johnny and Robert they're all getting beat out by a 25 year old man like that's tough that's a tough blow so uh, back to the story Dallas officials said Gilstrap Portley's charade came to an end after one of his former coaches from North Mesquite High School saw him playing at a tournament in April and recognized him as one of the players who graduated from his high school seven years ago the Mesquite coach alerted the Hillcrest basketball coach that quote one of my former players who graduated a time ago is playing for you, said Harris. Oh, man. Philip Randall, a basketball coach at North Mesquite High School, said he wasn't the coach who saw Gilstrap Portley at the tournament, but that he did coach him until he graduated in 2011. He was a good kid, Randall said. I never had any problems out of him. That's why I was shocked when I heard that all this came out, because that's not the kid I knew. The mother of a Hillcrest High School freshman that her daughter started dating during Gilstrap Portley's time there. This woman spoke on the condition of anonymity, said her 14-year-old knew the man as Rashawn Richardson and thought he was 17. She said, quote, It's unbelievable to me that you could get away with this. I don't know what or how the school let this script through the cracks. 
The woman said she had never approved of her daughter's relationship and wasn't comfortable. She said her daughter told her she did not have a sexual relationship with Gil Strap Portland. That's quite the story. That is quite the story. So, final reaction to this story. Like I said earlier, I can have sympathy for a guy who just can't close the yearbook, just wants to play basketball, ball is life. That's all he wanted to do. He just wanted to ball. But when you when you add in the 14-year-old girl portion, like maybe, maybe he, like you said earlier, Trap, maybe he was so dedicated to the fake persona that he thought dating another fellow freshman would make it more believable. Like the mom said, they didn't have a sexual relationship. Maybe that's false. But maybe he was just trying to date the girl to make him seem more normal. I don't know. Uh, well, like I said earlier, respect the hustle. Wanted the ball. I get it. Those competitive rec leagues, those church leagues that the old whippersnappers play in, they can get expensive for a man just trying to get by. And I won't lie, you guys can you guys can agree with me or disagree with me in the chat here. I have kind of always wondered if I somehow got put back in the high school system right now, could I be a top high school basketball player? Could I be a top uh, quarterback? Whatever sport. As a 20-year-old, could I be good enough against 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds for big schools to recruit me? That thought has crossed my mind. I'm sure it's crossed some of your guys' minds, too. It would be fun to see right now, as a 20-year-old, if I could dominate high school sports. More questions I have. I feel like it would be pretty obvious if a guy who was 25 years old was hanging out with 14, 15, 16-year-olds, right? Because this man enrolled as a freshman, like we said earlier. Like, remember how uh, immature we were as freshmen in high school? Uh, like, if someone even said the word penis, it was the funniest thing to ever happen. It was like a comedy show. One word could be a comedy show. Like, and also, was he hanging out with them outside of school? Was he in group messages with them? Like, there's so many questions I have that I want to need answered, right? And actually further has me pondering, how many other cases are there like this? Like Javon Carter. Javon Carter is no West Virginia point guard. No younger than 35 years old. No chance in the world that guy is any younger than 35 years old. He just now graduated from West Virginia. Like, okay, whatever. So maybe this is opening up the floodgates for... Um, more parents to be like, eh, maybe we should tell our son that he's six instead of uh, nine. And then he's a freshman when he's 17, but he's actually 14, gets him a scholarship. Maybe Sidney Bouvier, Gilstrap Portley is opening up the floodgates for more of this to happen. You never know. So, any questions on the 25-year-old posing as a 17-year-old? One of the best stories of all time, IMO. One of the very best stories in the history of civilization. All right, no, 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 like I said, we don't even have people watching right now, so this is we're just doing this for the podcast. But um, with that, I think we will wrap up our time today. Thank you, loyal listeners. It was a good time every Sunday, 9 o'clock. Come hang out with me. Send me questions you want to answer. Do, all you, do whatever you do. It was, it was a good time.
Peace.